Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. In May of 2016, wildfires broke out in northern Alberta. Uh, in total, the Fort McMurray fires burned approximately 579,000 hectares of land, uh, causing the evacuation of over 90,000 people, destroying 2,400 homes and businesses, including 530 other buildings that were damaged. And at its peak, there were over 2,000 firefighters working in the fires daily, including helicopters uh, and uh, water bombers and firefighters are also brought in from the United States, Mexico, and from South Africa as well. Now, every year, uh, the New York Times book editors get together uh, and they have a very extensive uh, and lengthy debates of the best books of the year. They pick the top 10 best fiction books and the best five nonfiction books, and that's the top 10 list. Well, deciding, of course, the best books of the year isn't easy, uh, but they did. And one of those books that they chose was John Valiant's. A book, Fireweather, The Making of a Beast. And that book was, of course, written about the extensive uh, Fort McMurray fire and the impact of it on that community and lessons learned from it as well. It is truly uh, a great um, accomplishment to be chosen as one of the top 10 books by the year by the New York Times. And John Valiant, of course, lives right here in Vancouver. So it's important to think we had him on the show once again. So, John, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Jazz. Uh, I do have to ask, what's, I mean, you know, the work uh, is extensive to, to put a book together, especially on a topic like this, when there's so many different people you have to speak to. First, first, first and foremost, what's it, just your thoughts on just being chosen in the top 10 books of the year by the New York Times? <laughs> it's, uh, I'm still pinching myself. It, it is, it's amazing. And, you know, there's some really big prizes out there. But in some ways, this one is the biggest prize of all. It really impacts sales. It impa- it's really noticed around the world. And it's just massive. And it's just a huge honor. And when I look at the other books, the other nine, you know, mm-hmm. these are amazing writers, amazing titles. And so to see my work among them is, you know, it's really just the honor of, a, you know, it's a career peak. Yeah, well, I I saw the I was reading the article and then I saw your work. I said when John was on the show. We're going to have him on again because it is, uh, as I said, a really important accomplishment. Uh, let's go look back a little bit. What what convinced you to write a book on that particular wildfire in Fort McMurray? Well, the size of it and the intensity of it, and I think for so many of us in Canada, Fort McMurray is is you know it's such a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. And it's also so industrialized. And so it's very hard to imagine a natural or even, you know, semi-natural event overtaking it and actually driving everybody out of the city. You know, it was the largest, most rapid evacuation due to wildfire in modern times. And, you know, that would be one thing, you know, maybe, maybe out of, you know, some, you know, rural place that, you know, didn't have a lot of infrastructure, but... Um, Fort McMurray, in a way, because of the bitumen industry up there, is almost nothing but infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And yet, in spite of all that heavy equipment and all the, the skill and expertise that goes with that, the fire overcame everything. Mm-hmm. And that really frightened me, frankly. And as I learned more about the fire, the nature of it, the struggles that the, fire to, uh, fire, the, the, struggles that the firefighters had dealing with it, 
I thought, you know, this uh, this isn't a one off. You know, this is maybe this is the new face of fire. Mm. And 2023, we just had the worst fire season in Canadian history by a long shot. And and I'm afraid I was right. Mm. Uh, What impact did the fire, uh, based on your research, have on the people of Fort McMurray in that area? Well, I mean, these are tough, uh, resilient people, uh, very strong community values, really uh, strong work ethic. Uh, And even so, um, you know, many people left the city never to return. You know, the population has rebounded somewhat. A lot of jobs have been lost in part because uh, there's, you know, real downsizing happening in the bitumen industry as they automate. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the jobs aren't there the way they used to be. But also the people aren't there the way they used to be. New people have come in, but the you know people I spoke to, and I can only really speak for the people who spoke to me. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, you know, were really disheartened and traumatized, and a lot of firefighters have lingering health issues uh, from breathing seriously toxic smoke literally for weeks on end. You know, it's impacted, you know, potentially the length of their lives. So. Nobody got out of that unscathed. And, you know, there's some really there's some lingering, you know, psychic uh, and physical damage uh, that's just, you know, part of part of the landscape now for that population. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and and in the more I learned about that, you know, nobody wants that to happen to anybody else. And unfortunately, it happened to a lot of people this summer. But one of the reasons I wrote the book is to just to give people a, a serious heads up that this is a real risk out there and we need to take it serious. Do you think uh, that conversation, your book, and the conversation that has uh, continued after that is, um, I'm not sure writing the ship is the right word, but do you think it's, it's leading to a broader discourse and perhaps firm policy decisions that get us to a point where we do start making that, moving towards that direction of, of a greener future, uh, one future that isn't based just on uh, fossil fuels? Oh, you know, without a doubt. I mean, there's a whole lot of people working on this file, Jazz. And, and, and you know, we just had COP28 in Dubai. You know, there were a lot of oil lobbyists there, but there were also a whole lot of people who are working really hard to um, facilitate an energy transition to uh, greener, lower carbon energy. And that is absolutely happening. It's uneven. Uh, but I think there was just an article earlier on your show about um, uh, EV vehicle uh, mm-hmm. purchases. And, you know, that's that is a new world. You know, it's, that's happening really rapidly. But people are also talking about fire safety and community safety in ways that they weren't 10 years ago. And so and I know that fire weather has been a part of that because people have read fire weather and gone to talk to their city councils. Mm-hmm. And as I've gone and toured the book around uh, Canada and the United States, you know, people are, they don't, they're not interested in it as an abstract story from far away. They're wondering, okay, what do we need to do in our community so this doesn't happen? Yeah, I just uh, had someone from UBC's forestry department on uh, the other day. They just received a, a private donation of $5 million to study forests and oh, fire wow. and what they need wow. to be doing moving forward. Uh, what kind yeah. of species we, we plant, how communities deal with it, what can we do naturally. So it was a fascinating conversation. I really enjoyed it. But I, in many ways, you're right, you know, in that we, we do have to 
rethink how we look at this issue. But I think one of the things that the public and many people sometimes don't understand is that this is going to be an uneven fight at the end of the day. As you said with COP, the COP26, you had oil lobbyists there. It's in United Arab Emirates, not exactly the place that's going to lead the way in some, in many cases when it comes to going <laughs> no. green. Yeah. But it is yeah. an uneven journey, but it is a journey that still is occurring, but it sometimes can be quite depressing when you say not enough is being done. Well, you know, I mean, our own William Gibson, who lives right here in Vancouver, too, a brilliant futurist and science fiction writer, very famous man. He said, the future is here. It's just not evenly distributed. Mm. And I think that's really true. And I think that's really true, particularly true in the case of uh, the energy transition that is underway right now as you and I talk to each other. It's very exciting. It's not happening nearly fast enough or soon enough for many people, but it's inevitable. And the 21st century is going to be a different century for energy, and it's also unfortunately going to be a different century for fire. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's the most important part. I think even today uh, there was a story that I saw that the federal government is looking at a federal emergency response agency being set up just because of wildfires in this country, uh, similar to the FEMA in the U.S. So it is it is uneven, but uh, it is slowly uh, being addressed, that is for sure. But, John, at its core, I wanted to have you back on the show more than anything to say congratulations to you. It's important work that you've done and being voted as top 10, one of the top 10 books of the year by the New York Times. It is a true accomplishment, even better because uh, you're, you're a Vancouver uh, resident, and I think Vancouverites and British Columbians need to be celebrating that as well. Thank you so much. Jazz, it's really my pleasure and my honor. Thanks so much for uh, speaking with me.